everyone. Welcome to another episode of Space Flicks. This is the podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. It has been a little while. Um, We're back from a little hiatus, and this episode we are going to discuss Licorice Pizza, the latest from Paul Thomas Anderson, written and directed, uh, starring Alana Haim, Cooper Hoffman. Um, those are the two leads, uh, relatively unknowns, I think. And then uh, there are there are some other names in there: Bradley Cooper, Sean Penn, Tom Waits, among others, uh, as supporting characters. So, let's just get started, Adam. What were your expectations for Licorice Pizza? I expected to love it. Wait, you should read uh, the synopsis and then keep saying okay, so, what you expected. Uh, Licorice Pizza. <clears throat> the story of Alana Kane and Gary Valentine growing up, running around, and going through the treacherous navigation of first love in the San Fernando Valley, 1973. There you go. That's what it is, baby. Running around looking for love. So you're expecting to love it. Yeah, I was. Um, so uh, I really, really like the movies of Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, and one of the, I, I really first fell in love with him and his movies uh, with Magnolia. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the entire vibe of sort of running through the valley in California. And being exposed to like this seedy, strange world, the way that Anderson saw it, and then going through additional uh, movies of his, like Boogie Nights and Punch Drunk Love, I'm just sort of like, I just love hanging out with this guy in this place. Mm-hmm. Like, this is mm-hmm. what I like to do. And then he sort of branched out and became, I think, a much more, um, you know, he was already well liked by that point in time after his fourth film, but, you know, like, there will be blood, the master, phantom thread. Like these yeah. are movies that are not about the San Fernando Valley and are about sort of um, capital T big themes, mm-hmm. right? And and while I really loved those movies and had a lot of time for them, I sort of I'm really enjoying Paul Thomas Anderson movies the most when we're just like hanging out in the valley. Mm-hmm with weirdos mm-hmm. right that's what i want and that's what this and so like. when it yes and so and it's like here's two kids running around the valley and they're gonna run into weirdos like bradley cooper and sean penn and tom waits i'm like sign me mm-hmm. up right i already was a big fan of the band heim right and so like alana heim you know i was like huh like i knew paul thomas anderson had directed heim videos mm. before and so like I was like, oh, that's cool that, you know, this musician that I like is the lead in this movie. And then when you realize it's Cooper Hoffman and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is so touching, you know, like that Philip Seymour Hoffman, his dad was in more Paul Thomas Anderson movies than any other actor. Mm -hmm. And now Cooper is like sort of picking up that thread. There's just something very... um, warm and like almost nostalgic that I felt about this movie before I even saw it Mm -hmm. because it's like, Oh great. It's like my, 
one of my favorite filmmakers going doing my going back to my favorite, my favorite place. place that he hangs yeah. out with with like kids who I have already an affinity for because of my relationship to one's music and the other's the other's dad as an actor just as a performer that I enjoyed watching and so it's just sort of like sign me up for this hmm. you know <laughs> like I will I'm immediately in the bag for it so that's so interesting. So, so we've there's a big contrast here because uh, I'll share some things I'm a little embarrassed to share. <clears throat> Firstly, I didn't know that about Cooper Hoffman. I didn't even know it was the son of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Now that you're saying yeah. it, I'm like, oh, I can completely see it. I, I just it didn't uh, occur to me. Um, yeah. Also, I think I mispronounced her name. I said Haim. I didn't know anything about this actress, Alana Alana Haim. Um, I yeah. guess is the correct pronunciation, and it sounds like you're saying uh, she's she's she fronts a band that is as a musical artist she's like already established. I didn't know that either. Yeah, <laughs> she's in a oh so I mean this is going to be an interesting episode. She's in a band with her two sisters, and she's not even the front woman. Oh, okay. One of the, her other sisters is the front woman, um, but she's like a guitar player in the band. And yeah, I've I've liked them for for several years now. Yeah. And, and it's just sort of, and new, and I, I don't remember what initially got me into them, but I do know, I noticed early that Paul Thomas Anderson PTA was like directing several of their music videos. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, you know, it's like, a ch- I know he directs videos for like Radiohead and Tom York and stuff. So it's sort of like, I know he does that from time to time. Mm-hmm. And so it's just sort of like, I, I check those out because I just like watching his filmmaking generally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so Heim was on my radar, has been on my radar for the past several years. Their album, uh, Women in Music Part 3 from last year, year before, uh, I thought was great. I listened to it all the time, you know? And so it's just sort of like, <laughs> okay. like let, let's, ju- let's just keep it going, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I, this is, these are all things I like, right? Just all put them, put them into a blender and let's go. But so I didn't know that about the two leads. Um, so, I, so I didn't have that kind of like, you know, nostalgia, as you said, going in. Um, I also don't have, I don't have quite the same relationship to his, to, you know, as you put it, his movies that take place in, you know, this part of California. I think it's a bit yeah. more of a mixed bag for me. I definitely loved Punch Drunk Love. Um, I haven't seen Magnolia in so long, but when I saw it, I mm-hmm. wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, I have mm-hmm. a feeling if I went back now, I'd probably appreciate it a lot more. Um, but that, you know, anyway, my, I don't, it's not like one of my favorite of his movies as of today. Um, right. Boogie Nights, same deal. I think my favorites of his are like There Will Be Blood and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, possibly The Master. And so mm-hmm. it's just like so our, our, we came into this movie so different. Um, yeah. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson is such a clearly gifted filmmaker. I think he's he's easily in the you know top echelon of his generation. So yeah, as as you know, as an original um, filmmaker who always has something is doing something very interesting and worthwhile. So I'm certainly looking forward to this film, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. like I'll always look forward to his films because I always assume they're going to be interesting and, and compelling in, in their own ways. Um, but my expectations I would say are, were fairly low, relatively speaking, like for a, for a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, I was expecting something a little bit on the, on the, the the lighter side, like it looked 
sort of meandering, you know, which he's had quite a few movies like that. I tend to prefer mm-hmm. the ones that are a little bit more like there will be blood is a story, right? <laughs> like yes, with a yes. clear n- narrative arc to it. Um, and I think I'm really drawn to that. Um, I would argue the master yeah. is the same way. Um, yeah. This one, I was, you know, just from the advertising, I was like, I bet it's going to be, you know, just kind of a coming of age slash love story without like that coherent of a plot other than just these two characters encounter one another a lot. And it's just sort of like following, following their lives. Um, And uh, that doesn't seem like I'm not that excited to see a story like that. Um, But it's going to be Paul Thomas Anderson. So I'm going to still find it enjoyable to watch. So that was kind of my expectation going in. Like I sort of expected it to be, you know, lower tier PTA for Mm -hmm. me, I guess, Mm -hmm. is how I would uh, describe my expectations. So we were very different um, in this case. A lot of times we go in with similar expectations. This movie, I think we had very, very different expectations going in. Um, Now let's talk first impressions. What did you think of the movie? Loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Frankly, as much as more you than expect- I thought. Oh, I, more than you thought. More wow. than I thought I would. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, it's sort of like, um, I would say, you know, if you take his more recent films, um, let's use, you know, Phantom Thread as an example. I didn't expect it to feel like Phantom Thread. Sure. Because uh, it, it was obviously had a, just a totally different vibe to it. But I do feel like it is very un well it's actually put it this way it's very normal at this point for anderson to put things in his films that make you really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um and so like just the whole notion of uh like the fundamental way of you know spoiler alert for a movie that came out several years ago but like in phantom thread you know the fact that like this relationship is sort of bound around like illness, mm-hmm. right? Like feebleness, uh, just to sort of put it, to, <laughs> yeah, just to sort of put it in sort of a, a cryptic way. Like, um, I feel, and like the, the, like the, the ending of that film, right? Where it's like they're both acknowledging, like, we need, like, she's like, I need to hurt you mm-hmm. for us to like be. For us in to work. love, yeah, right, yeah. and he's like, "Yeah, I'm cool with this," <laughs> right, right, right. Like, there's something like deeply, like I think it's it's to me, it was like a little unnerving, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, I liked yeah. the movie quite a lot, but I don't think you're meant to walk out being like, "Oh, what a wonderful romance," right? <laughs> like, no. and so I, um, or like <laughs> Boogie Nights, I feel like is <laughs> right, like Boogie Nights, I feel like is designed to make you, you know, uncomfortable, uncomfortable yeah, like right regularly magnolia i feel like has several things in it that i think are designed to make you uncomfortable like the entire character of frank tj Mackey, right is like not one that you're meant to be like this is great i'm having a great time at the mm-hmm, movies right mm-hmm. it's sort of like this guy's a monster right and so like i was sort of expecting there to be something in this movie now there there is now there is i would say one major elephant in the room that we can talk about later in this mm-hmm. movie that i think probably should make you uncomfortable but like but generally i was like I walking out of this and I was like, what a sweet movie, mm-hmm. right? Like it was just, I just felt so good watching it. And it's like, I, it's something where I feel like he could give you this feeling all the time if he wanted to, 
right? Yeah. But he just doesn't because he's not like that's not the kind of filmmaker he is. But I was just like, wow, I just feel great mm. walk, walking out of the movies, which is like I wasn't expecting. I was expecting to like, you know, be taken to uncomfortable, weird places. But instead, I was like, just had a great time at the movies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so uh, surpri- I liked it even more than I than I expected. And I was expecting to like it a lot. That's great to hear. I, I I definitely liked it more than I expected. I wouldn't say I loved it. It sounds like you loved it. Um, you know, I would say my expectations weren't too far off, but I, it's it's sort of one of those things where, you know, sometimes sometimes I don't think I'm gonna like a movie, and then when I watch it, I'm like, oh right, I should have known I would have liked these aspects yeah. of it, and this movie was kind of that way where. Um, you know, there was a, just a lot of like, the, obviously the characters were really good. The performances I thought were really good. And so I naturally just kind of, while the movie was going on, I was invested in the characters and I did want to see what came next. Also, um, in contrast to what you just said, I do think there are, are definitely moments of significant tension in the movie. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't want to, you know, maybe they're not, you wouldn't describe them as uncomfortable, but um, there's, there's suspense, you know. There's tension, there's, there's things, there's a little bit of like adventure, you know, to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And those are, those are examples of things that looking back, I'm like, oh, of course there was going to be these things, you know, like you said, PTA, like Paul Thomas Anderson always puts some kind of, um, you know, I, I guess you're saying uncomfortable. I would say there's always like some danger or some, uh, something that shouldn't be happening right um right something like that some element of of uh not everything is going to go smoothly here and those aspects of the movie i did really i did really enjoy and i thought they were done really well so um you know by the time the credits rolled it was like oh that was like a really good time right i i I, and i shouldn't and shame on me for having doubted that it would have been um <clears throat> but yeah, all the th- all the things that I suspected still held true. Um, you know, the th- I think the 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 Anderson films that stick with me the most and leave the biggest impact are the ones that feel a little bit more like I don't know, just like novels or or stories that sort of had a beginning, middle, and end that yeah needed to be told that way. Um, and this is more like what I expected structurally of it is a coming of age story, right? It is, it is primarily mm-hmm. about a relationship more than about, um, it, it's more about a relationship than it is a story, if that makes sense. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm articulating right. that well. Um, but I, I just always gravitate towards, you know, stories where this is the stuff that oh, happened. I, um, what I thought of when I was watching this movie was, you know, back in whatever year it was, two thousand four two i don't know something like mm-hmm. that when he's making punch drunk love right he talked about that movie like it's like i just want to make like a romantic comedy mm-hmm. right that's just what I, i'm just trying to make a romantic comedy mm-hmm. and sort of the joke at the time was like jesus if this is a romantic <laughs> comedy right, right right like you know i don't i don't want to see like uh you know what your you know what your action movie is like you know it's going to like <laughs> he just can't make a normal yeah. run of the mill movie um because that movie like it's these two adults one of whom may or may not be an alien depending on your point of mm-hmm. view on that movie 
Um, but like Barry Egan, the Adam Sandler character, is like completely incapable of like articulating or like connecting with other human beings in normal ways, mm-hmm. right? To the point where, you know, famously, like the way that when when he and Emily Watson's character like first uh, get together, the way they speak their love language to each other is they speak about the violent things they're going to do to each right. other, right? He's like, I'm going to bash your head in with a sledgehammer, right? And so it's like, and it feels like an adult sort of almost ashamed of like the childish romantic feelings like he associates ro- like genuine romantic affection as almost like dumb mm-hmm. and childish and he like can't say it mm-hmm. the normal way mm-hmm. i just ha- i have to say it in this like totally twisted violent way right and i remember thinking back then like this is a great movie i loved punch drunk love as well but um i was like he there's something like emotionally constipated about mm-hmm. it right there's something like like the Barry Egan character is like not capable of just like just coming out and saying the way he feels until probably it's sort of more breakthrough kind of behavior at the end. But like this movie I felt was like, Oh, this is more just like a romantic comedy oh, totally. and sort of, it's like the classic, like two people meet, meet cute at the beginning. And like you want, you wonder the entire movie, will they, won't they? Right. And of course, in the back of your mind, you know they will, mm-hmm. right? And it's just a matter of how are they going to, yes. right? How are they yes. going to get together? And so I was like, oh, this is like a classic romantic comedy um, in that way, if you think about sort of the structure of that kind of story. Oh, totally. I mean, this this is, I would say this is easily of Paul Thomas Anderson's films, the the one that if I was like named the romantic comedy, you know, in yeah. there, I think Licorice Pizza is, is is clearly the one that that comes closest to meeting the description. Like you said, he can't make a normal yeah. movie. He's not going to make like a, you know, Notting Hill. But um, right. But this this for sure comes the closest. I would say. Um, so I guess that covers our first impressions. Um, let's say, do we want to discuss themes? Do you have any themes that this movie uh, brings up? that you would like to discuss? Well, I just, I feel like um, it, one of the things that really captures that I had a lot of appreciation and a lot of time for uh, was trying to figure out who you are, right? Like there's this notion, I think Alana, especially the character played by Alana Heim, like she is adrift throughout much of the movie yeah right yeah sort of just like hitching her wagon to whatever star she happens to be able to hitch it to but never really um i feel like most of the time she's not totally confident that she's making a good choice right she's just sort of doing everything is like i'm doing this for now mm-hmm. right and i feel like that feeling in your mid-20s is like very relatable. I feel like probably lots of people can relate to that feeling of like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just sort of doing stuff and seeing what sticks. Right. Mm -hmm. She's like, maybe I'll work for a photographer. Maybe I'll help this kid work, like create a waterbed company. Maybe I'll um, be an actress. Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just sort of like, 
trying stuff on to see what fits. Um, and so, and I think that that's very relatable. Uh, and I feel like the other thing that I really appreciated was the fact that Cooper Hoffman's character, Gary, who's 15 in the movie, right. Um, has the sort of the certainty that accompanies youth, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like where you're sort of like the world is actually very small to you and you know exactly what you want to do. And there's something kind of beautiful about that before like uncertainty creeps in and makes you start questioning the things that you held as fixed previously. Um, And so I just liked the, the play of her in sort of her indecision or aimlessness, like mashed up against his sort of really clear understanding of what he wants and what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I, uh, I don't know that that's a, a really, a really well articulated theme, but it's a, it's a dynamic in the film that I feel like percolates throughout and one that I really related to. Yeah, I think, well, I would expand on what you said to say, I, I think both of these characters represent sort of two, two extremes, but I, I think the movie take, takes a bit of a position on that the, the reality is both of them are essentially lost because yeah. she, she is sort of is adrift, like you said, and choosing to just kind of take a very passive role in life of sort of letting things happen. And I think he, he has this sort of um, delusion in a way of being more like, no, I'm, I'm creating like, Mm -hmm. you know, my reality and I have goals and I sort of, I'm really ambitious and I have these things I want to achieve and I do the work to, to achieve it. And that's how he sees himself. But as the movie goes on, I think, and she even, it, it, it gets to a point where she sort of calls him out on at a certain point that it's like, oh, you're just a chronic, uh, you know, so you, you sort of just are constantly looking for the next thing. You don't really have like yeah. a long-term plan. You're just always right. looking for like an opportunity to sort of you know, and, and, and whether it's, you know, um, um, like he starts a mattress company very right. sort of abruptly, right? Just right. like spots right. an opportunity and it's like, this is what I'm doing now. And now, now I'm going to start a whole business and, and he gets pretty far, you know, and, um, he's right. got a lot of good sort of business sense and, um, he's good at spotting the opportunities and he's good at executing, but there is that sort of lack of what are you really after, you know? what he wants is just to be successful, right? Ultimately he wants to be like rich and famous and yeah. Um, he wants everybody to know his name and he kind of wants to be this big shot, but it's sort of like, that's the extent of it, right? You don't really actually mm-hmm. have a grand vision. And so I think the truth is they're both lost in, and, and it sort of have like responded to the uncertainty and unpredictability of life in kind of opposite ways. She's sort of like thrown in the towel and he's like sort of denying mm-hmm. it. You know, he's, he's like, he's like, no, I'm fully in control. Um, yeah. And I think that in some ways they sort of form like a, this, this yin and yang of, or like, or like, you know, magnetic poles attracting where like the one thing that seems to really be consistent for both of them is 
there's something about this other person, you know, they're drawn to each yeah. other. Um, so that to me, I, you know, I like you, I don't know if I'm really articulating a coherent theme, but it felt to me like, uh, that in the world of the movie, the only thing that is really sort of true and, and lasting about these two is that they know there's some sort of meaning in their relationship to each other. Um, yeah. And, and kind of nothing else really matters. And I think that, yeah. you know, it's very young love kind of, uh, kind of, you know, mentality. Um, but that seems to be to me the position of the movie that, that it's true that all these, you know, the fact that she doesn't know what's going on, you know, she doesn't have any career goals and just, just kind of adrift. That's not really important. Um, the fact that he's constantly trying to look for the next thing that none of those business ventures he pursues are really matter, you know, but they, but right. they do matter to each other. Yeah. I think the thing that really struck me about it is like, he knows from the very beginning of the film, he's like, that's the girl I'm going to marry. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like I, she's the one. Right. Yeah. And he is fixed and fixated on her like the entire runtime of the film with maybe a, a brief like diversion along the way where he's just made, he's like, well, I guess I got to get over her. Right. Um, but like she is uncertain about him. Right. And that's sort of the thing that to me is like the, the useful dynamic is like, he's so certain that like, when are you going to wake up and realize that like we're meant to be right. And she is like, it doesn't make any sense, right? Well, yeah, I'm a- but but maybe, but I would argue, I mean, going back to those being, those are the polar opposite ends of the spectrum they sit on. I think the truth mm-hmm. is, if you like go back, he, he, he wins her over in like the first 20 seconds, right? Yeah, it, yeah. It, like yeah. the reality but- is she does want to be with him almost immediately and she's maybe denying right. that for much of the movie but like you know right but he he, he she won't admit yeah, it he, to he herself asks her out on this him. date and she sort of says like no the whole time and then she shows up right yep um so the the it it's like of course we've seen the whole movie now so we sort of know how the movie ends we don't know how their their relationship ends but um but i do think that that really it's like the whole movie she's coming up with sort of excuses but actually she was into him from the beginning right right it's very it is very like a you know not love at first sight but uh that 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 chemical reaction began right away and it was and it was very uh uh it it, it was very what's the word i'm looking for energetic <laughs> sparks flew <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of outset. chemistry. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's a bit, it's, it might be a bit overused to say that a movie's a love letter, but it, to me, it, it did feel a bit like, aside from the theme of, you know, these kind of two approaches to the unpredictability and, and, and chaotic nature of, of life. Um, other than that, it just felt to me like kind of a love letter to, young love to being young and in love right yeah um, how nothing else really makes sense except for this one person and you know you want to be with them um and it's very i think nostalgic is a word i would use it's very like gee that's great <laughs> you know 
to be yeah. young and in yeah. love. Like it's it's just uh, and there's a reason people go and watch movies of young people falling in love, right? Because that is a feeling right. that that is uh, very pleasant. So that yeah. felt like to me I feel the like, main theme above anything else is just young love. And I feel like it, it's it's yes, it's well, I, I think it is also you said like being young and in love. And I think the and in that sentence is like correct, right? Meaning it's like, I do think it's about being young. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's about young love. Yeah, You know what I mean? I think it's about sort of the two things at the same time, right? It's like, because I think Gary is like, to your point, you know, just like hustling for the next thing and he doesn't like he is he has a lot of belief that like greatness awaits mm-hmm. for him even if he's not sure how he's like maybe it's this waterbed yeah. thing or maybe it's this pinball thing right. or maybe it's maybe being it's like a camera yeah. a, acting maybe it's being a cameraman for a political campaign i don't know but like i'm gonna do it right yeah and and that sort of like um just incorrigibility right like that uh that belief in yourself that you're going to make it somehow and you don't know how i think there's something really uh you know invigorating about watching a 15 year old you know approach the world that way because i think those of us who have clocked a few more years are sort of like oh right that like i remember that (laughs) feeling yeah you know feeling of destiny 15 and and thinking that I was gonna, you know, like take on the world, right? As all fifteen-year-olds do. Yep. How is is that actor? Is he actually fifteen, or was he Cooper? Yeah. Um, I think he's not far off. Yeah. Uh, I I think he's like yeah. I okay, think he's looks like, like 17 he was born in two thousand three, so that would make him nineteen. Now. But, right, you know, now when the movie it would was have been made, maybe yeah, not, not too far seventeen off. when they made yeah. it, something like that. Incredible. Um. Okay, well, let's go to our next segment, which is best parts of the movie. So I think this is when we spoil when we issue the spoiler warning. Let it rip. Auga. Spoilers are surfacing in submarine form, but then they will take the form of actual spoilers. Yes. Yeah, so we're now going to spoil Licorice Pizza, which is not even in theaters anymore <laughs> and is on how do you get it streaming is it just like available for video on just, demand just rent yeah. it yeah um okay well let's name some some highlights best parts so for me it's like the thing the thing that i really remember and think about is the truck sequence so <laughs> yeah every totally Same. um there's a scene where gary Cooper Hoffman's character has started a waterbed company and he and his little friends and Alana are delivering a waterbed to John Peters, a legendary Hollywood producer. And um, in the process of delivering the waterbed to John Peters house, they decide he's kind of a jerk Mm -hmm. and they uh, in basically on purpose, incorrectly set up, the waterbed so that the hose to inflate the waterbed is just running in his upstairs bedroom mm-hmm. and they just jet to mm-hmm. get out of there. They proceed to run to like 
reach John Peters, who makes them take him to a gas station where he attacks someone, and then they get back in their truck and haul ass out of there, right? And in a moment of frustration, Gary takes a golf club to uh, John Peters' convertible, destroying the windshield, and at that point, they proceed to run out of gas. <laughs> so, good. And then in order to make a hasty getaway, they hop in the truck, but it's pointing the wrong way. It's pointing uphill. And Alana proceeds to engage in what I was, to me, what was a jaw-dropping sequence of her just piloting this, you know, like whatever, this like full-size truck. Yep backwards down like the hills in the San truck. Fernando like Valley. A, like, a, like a Mack yeah. truck, right? Like a moving truck, right? right? Like backwards, downhill, th- through the San Fernando Valley with her just laser focused on her rear view mirror, mm-hmm. her side view mirror. And everybody else in the truck just like oh, hanging onto their butts for dear life, right? Yeah. And it was just like this, it was, there's no music, Right. It's just this like near silent like sequence of this truck just hurtling down the streets. And I was just like as wrapped with this as like any action sequence I watched Mm -hmm. this year. Uh, I recently rewatched the nobody bus sequence (laughs) for funsies. Uh And it was like, this was as good to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, this is for sure the scene, the main scene I had in mind when I was talking about that this movie does have some suspense and some, you know, like kind of elements of adventure because Bradley Cooper, his character, you know, very quickly establishes himself as kind of frightening, right? He makes some, he makes some very visceral kind of threats, like, that that seemed ridiculous, but then, but then I think his performance—he he had a very good delivery to make it seem kind of like he might be serious right now, where he's like, right. "I will kill you," you know, <laughs> right. I, I, right? I I will I will murder you, like you know, I'm I'm a powerful man, I can make that happen, right? Um, right. And so, basically, from the moment they decide to trash his house with the hose, yeah. you're like, oh, there's real danger, there's real stakes now. You know, this yeah. guy's no yeah. joke. Um, and then they, they've so, uh, he, he's so brilliantly set up the idea of like ga- being out of gas, right? A- as this threat. Yeah. And if, <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you. I sort of was very both nervous that that would happen to them and also sure, like, it's, of course it's going to happen to them. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just what happens in this movie is you get out of the truck to smash this guy's windshield and the truck's not going to start now. And and that's exactly right. how, it, yeah. how it plays out. So, um, yeah. yeah, he's got you for me. I felt like the movie had me on edge for a very long period of time. Like the whole, that whole sequence from leaving the guy's house to, to, to you know, finally, like it's like dawn the next day. Right. Yeah, it's got to be what fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. Like it's 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 yeah. pretty long. Um, yeah, and the whole time you're just like he, yeah, you know, 
it's filmed in such a way that it doesn't feel like they've put much distance between them and him. You know, it feels yeah, like he's right. like around the corner, you know, like he's, he's yeah. close by and they're kind of screwed. Um, yeah. But of course they, you know, they're the main characters. They don't get murdered. <laughs> it, it, right. it, everything does turn out okay. Um, yeah. But it was, it's sort of like, and when it finally it becomes clear that it is going to be okay, it's sort of like, okay, now you can exhale, right? You've yeah. been nervous for, for, for quite a while, for an extended period of time. And now you can finally exhale yeah. and it feels really good. It's quite a relief that they made yeah. it. Which which actually does feel very much aligned with the theme we were talking about of just like being young, you know? It's yeah. sort of like, they, do they even know how much danger they were in? <laughs> you know? no. Like the next morning, he's just like goofing off with his friends. He's like, we did it! And you're, not, and you're like, I, I remember that feeling of being 15 and, you know, yeah. getting through things that were probably much more, there was a much higher Dangerous. risk of, of death than you appreciated at the time, right? Yes. And just thinking, we're invincible, right? Yes. Well, I, I mean, Daniel, we, am I, am I misremembering? It was you and me, right? The car driver swap. Yes, I remember swapping. <laughs> yes, like, you know, driving down a highway. I'm not sure we want to admit this. <laughs> well, it's 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 long. That's, it's that's ancient right. history it now. Many years ago. Come get us, coppers! Right, right. right? like, um, no what? But it's like you. Know, driving down a highway and just deciding at one point, it's like, we got to switch drivers. Well, one of us had to pee. One of us had to pee. That's what it was. Right. And we're like, and of course we're not going to (laughs) stop. Right. Looking back, that's the main thing that I'm like, why didn't we just stop? It was probably the thrill of the challenge. I think we're like, we can do it. Yeah. We can do it. It was a long straight shot. Right. We fit. Yeah. We were like, yeah, that's right. It was like late at night. There was no other cars. And it's just like we can just do it. Mm-hmm. We can just switch drivers while the, without stopping the car. Cruise control, yep. Yep. right? And it's just so like that's to me that's like a like our much less cinematic version of this, where it's just like it's like you're a moron. Yeah, terrible idea. You're, terrible idea. Right. Completely and not worth like, trying. <laughs> right. But it's just like, but you just do yeah. it because you're sort of like you don't know any better. Um, and then you pull it off, and you feel like you're. On top right. of the world, right? And that's one of the things I really liked about the end of that sequence in this movie is because, like, Gary is elated, mm-hmm. right? He's like, we did it, holy cow. Yeah. And she is just sort of, like, chock full of adrenaline. She's, like, coming down off of the right, adrenaline. Right. She's, like, a little bit, you know, like, wiped out by the entire thing, yeah. right? She's like, holy moly, what did we just do? Yeah. That was crazy, right? And of course, um, Bradley Cooper's character actually just walks right by her. <laughs> right. At that point. Yeah. <laughs> she just sort of buries her face. Yeah. 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 Um, and you're like, this yes, man has sure. been blinded by rage and has been, who knows what he's been up to all night to the point where like, right. it's actually kind of plausible that he wouldn't even register them anymore because he's probably been yeah. on some sort of crazy, you know, drug rampage. Fuel, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I like, I think this movie has a lot of moments like that, you know, a lot of things where it's like, this should have ended worse, mm-hmm. you know, but like somehow we're all still standing at the end of it. Right. Like the movie opens, for example, with like Gary combing his hair in the boys room of the high school. Mm-hmm. Right. And just like out of nowhere, 
Jerry bomb, right? Like a toilet explodes, right? And like all the boys like are running out there. It reminded me a lot Forgot of about the that. opening, the opening bit of uh, Punch Drunk Love, mm-hmm. where like Adam Sandler's character walks out to like the street in the early a.m. There's a car crash, and a yeah. and a car just has like a brutal car crash right in front of him, yeah. right? And it just really like I feel like PTA likes to, you know, get things going. <laughs> Right with something like that, yeah. Which is like let's 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 sort of punctuate the silence here, right? Mm-hmm. Like like pun- or rather puncture the silence with like something to sort of snap you awake and make you realize like anything can happen, yeah, at any time, right? He he also um, he has a lot of this. Um, I mean, both of those scenes are examples of things that in the moment you assume they're going to be relevant to the plot. And then they're not at all, right? Right. Like, like, right. Like big things happening, like accidents or people getting hurt or you know explosions, like these kinds of things. I think, I think he he definitely often likes to put that stuff in there. That's just throwaway. Right. Like I think I, I, right. a much a much more minor example in Punch Drunk is like I remember. Um, like him walking through the factory or warehouse or whatever and like his assistant Mm -hmm. just like falls out of his chair and he's like the chair broke (laughs) yeah and it's like why did that happen like did that just actually happen or was that written or it just it just had nothing to do with anything you know yeah um or him like showing off his funger and like one of them breaks it's like that there's no ramifications of that happening right it's just like a moment where something happened that um, that didn't move the just story going forward. Wrong. Yeah, but yeah. just something went wrong. Exactly. Right. <clears throat> I, I I liked how this movie, I feel like, routinely is putting the characters in situations that like, should end, like have the potential to end very badly. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we just listed two of them, right? Setting off a bomb in a bathroom, like, typically could end quite badly. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, You know, the Sean Penn motorcycle sequence yeah, Sean Penn right? Tom Waits uh Coop like Gary getting arrested by the cops mm-hmm. right like these all could be very bad situations and just like miraculously they just sort of walk away from all yeah. of them yeah right which i think is kind of true of those of us who got through you know our teenage years it's sort of like you look back and you're like man i just walked out of that Right. Like there were a lot of bad, weird choices that I made during that time and like still just managed to coast into my 20s, like being OK. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think. Um, yeah. So I, I that that feeling was one that I, I loved and I think it was most, you know, perfectly captured in the in the truck sequence. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, and, and again, I think all this stuff goes along with just it being a story about being young being young and invincible and lots of things happen that really shouldn't end well and they just kind of do because you yeah because you maybe do have a guardian angel at that point right you just got lucky right the the i'm I'm guessing you listened to the same uh interview i did because we tend to listen to the same ones um but i i think paul thomas anderson said that thing about being arrested for murder by the way that was a true story right Oh yeah, the way it was like so his a producer lot, or his DP or somebody like had that experience. 
Yeah, the, a lot of these stories are based on the life of Tom Hanks's producing partner, mm-hmm. whose name is Gary Getzman. Mm-hmm. And the way PTA talks about it is like, <laughs> Getzman will be like, did I ever tell you the time about, when, I, was when I got arrested for murder? For murder? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that he just it's has, like, he's just no. a guy who has crazy stories. Yeah. 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 He just, he just, I mean, yeah, he had a lot of these types of stories. Like, he was arrested for murder. He did start a waterbed business, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he did meet John Peters. He did, you know, like, just this kind of stuff. So yeah. that's that's the source material for a lot of this. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I was just talking about these random things that happen. I think I think Paul Thomas Anderson also just has aspects of his films, like films like this that sometimes are also random and don't seem to contribute much. I always thought it was weird in Punch Drunk Love that he that he did the pudding thing because totally. because that yep. felt so tangential to the movie. And it, yeah. but it was like it was a real thing that happened and he clearly was very tickled by it and wanted to like pull that particular detail into the movie. Um Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that it, it feels like that to me. Like the fact that he gets arrested for murder feels so consequential in the moment. You're like, oh, he's getting arrested. Like this is going to radically affect, you know, what happens next. And it sort of just doesn't, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, they well, got the wrong okay, guy. Yeah. They let him go, and then things proceed. Just walks out. Know? Yeah. Um. Um. It's it's like it's almost like in some ways he can get away with things like. Imagine all the screenwriters who would have gotten feedback yeah. on something like that. That's like, that scene contributes nothing to the story. Get rid of it. Right. Right. It's like, this is Paul Thomas Anderson and he wants to put that in the movie, <laughs> you know? Right. So it's going right. in the movie. Right. Right. It's almost, it, it. I mean, this movie has been compared, I think, under, understandably to Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. And, totally. um, I, and I feel like, you know, as, as both of these are visions of the back into the past that the filmmaker in a, in a period and a location that the filmmaker is very nostalgic for. Um, but I, and I think uh, the same way I, in, in Tarantino's work, I feel like if you ask him a question about like, you know, why is the Bruce Lee sequence in your movie? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and I feel like Tarantino's answer would be something along the lines of because that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, that was just, that's just part of the story. I, like, I it was important uh, to me that people knew that Cliff Booth would beat Bruce Lee in a fight. <laughs> right. And I feel like the same thing is true here. It's sort of like, why did Gary get arrested for, you know, for a crime he didn't commit and then was like released? It's like, because that's, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. That really mm-hmm. did happen. Um, I'm reminded of like, there's an old, um, uh, like apocryphal Seinfeld story, like the show Mm -hmm. where Jason Alexander is, um, you know, they finish a scene or they're, or I can't remember what it is, but he's like talking about a script choice with Larry David and Jason Alexander is like, you know, I just don't think the scene really works because George is making a decision here that like nobody would ever make. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it just doesn't feel like a real thing. And Larry David looked at looked at him and he's like, what are you talking about? That exact thing happened to me and that's the exact <laughs> choice that I made, right? Yeah. I, I remember I remember hearing Jason Alexander say that too. And it's just so funny and because so, Larry David is like 
such an unusual person. <laughs> such a weirdo, yeah. yeah. And so it's like, I feel like that's sort of how I felt about this movie mm-hmm. is like, it's like, why is this happening? It's like, what are you talking about? This did happen. Like, that's what yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens in the movie, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, either this did happen or, you know, you know, like like you said, with the Bruce Lee scene, it's like, it's what happened with it to these people, these these fictional people in this fictional world. It's just what really happened. Right. Yeah. Um, any other highlights you want to mention? Um, let's see. I feel like this movie very explicitly uh, cares about running. Right? I was going to say, like, there's some good running. Um, I mean, there's some good running in other PTA movies, mm-hmm. right? Um, Barry, e- like I love watching Barry Egan run away from the camera or run horizontally across the frame mm-hmm. in Punch Drunk. I love watching Joaquin Phoenix's character in The Master like skip across like the dirt hills um that he where, where he's running away from some kind of conflict I don't mm-hmm. remember mm-hmm. who he's running away from in that moment. Right? Um so there's some there's some good some good quality running in PTA movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um but uh this movie I think puts a puts them all to shame mm. right mm. that this is this is like the most enthusiastic uh and mo- like persistent and like joyous celebration of running yeah of like young people running um which i think is silly like it sounds dumb to talk about it that way but i think there's like i don't know you look at a kid run just like with joy in their heart and tell me that it isn't like a little bit great yeah. just to watch a young person run. Well, right? a lot of the running, as uh, I recall, in this film is motivated by them, you know, reuniting, like running towards each other or running, mm-hmm. one of them running after the other, right? It's it's yeah. very, um, it's very exuberant. So, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yes, as opposed to the other versions of running that I described, which are like fleeing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know that any, the, even the running where they're running away from the police station and the two of them are running together, there are like big fat smiles on their yeah. faces. Yeah. Right. They're just happy to be doing it together. Right. Um, even though they are ostensibly like fleeing the law, it's like they're not really because he's not really in trouble, mm-hmm. you know, not anymore anyway. Uh, and so I, I, I do think I loved it during the course of the film. And then the fact that sort of the climax of the film involves that and very explicitly calls back to the other running that they, that we saw earlier in the film. I was like, this seems right. Yeah. This seems like the the way to wrap this up. Totally. I mean, I think that's a, that's a sort of specific case of what I would, would have said just generally is that like most Paul Thomas Anderson movies, I thought that it was very beautiful, like just visually. Yeah. um, Just a a real pleasure to watch, like a feast for the eyes. And I think I might be wrong, but my understanding is, is this the first movie where he's actually credited as cinematographer or director of photography? I think so. On his own film. I think, yeah, I think this is. Yeah, I mean, like... The, the truth is, there was a time, you know, when I was younger, before I knew much about movies, I, I sort of thought the director was, like, 
purely responsible for you know the visual sort of style and look of a movie um before you know um but but paul thomas anderson has always sort of i mean from his early films i think his fans would associate him with like long tracking shots right kind of these big ambitious like once one take kind of scenes where there was yeah. a lot of the camera moving following a character or like just sh- just showing you something visually that was really ambitious and really interesting and unique. And um, so it's, I, I suspect he's always been one of, one of those film directors who's had a very active role in shaping the look of it, you know, even if he's, mm-hmm. even if he's worked with other very gifted um, cinematographers, but the fact that this one is, you know, he actually shares a co-credit on it sort of is somewhat validates that for me. It's like, and I think in that same interview that I, that I listened to with him, he talked about just this, how he's evolved his relationship with, you know, the, I don't know if he works with the same DP always, but, um, uh, but how he's kind of like always been involved and has gotten more and more involved. And to this point, he sort of like, they sort of tag team the job basically. Right. I mean, he was actually even describing it as like, it's like a four or five head monster, mm. right? Where it's like, um, there's like a hand, a handful of people who are all involved in ultimately making sure that like the, the, the camera is doing a particular, what, like figuring out what the camera should do. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and the reason it's, you know, I think if I recall, he just was describing as like the reason it's me and Bauman as like the two directors of photography on the movie is because prior, like they wouldn't let us pick more than one mm. person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I think if they were permitted, I think they would probably have listed like five people. Interesting. Right. Um, he does not work with the same cinematographer on every film. Uh, and so I think it's, um, yeah he's worked with a variety right so it's not about him and it's this other person forming this really you know strong pairing it's it's just it's it sounds like it's more just his style that he's always been involved and maybe even more so with this film or or maybe it's just the the technicality that you mentioned of for the first time he was allowed to add himself (laughs) yeah possibly possibly Um, so yeah, it was beautifully shot. I think the truck scene is a highlight. I think there's lots of great running. (laughs) We already mentioned the performances. (laughs) I think the chemistry between the two leads is really strong. Um, which is no surprise. I mean, it's, it's no surprise, especially given that it seems clearly like the film was, I think in, in Alana Heim's case, like written for her. Right. Yeah. And in Cooper's case, like the casting was clearly based on these actors embodying these characters more so than um, because they're not, because they're not famous actors. Right? <laughs> like it's not right. like he got like a, you know, um, an A-list star to play either of these roles. So, uh, so my point is it's not surprising that the chemistry was really good. Cause it seems like that was what it was all about. Um, the casting. Um, and I know I don't know per usual. I mean, I don't actually. I, I think Johnny Greenwood and Paul Thomas Anderson have had a quite a fruitful sort of period of collaboration at this point. Um, yeah, his music's his 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 movies always sound great. The music is always 
uh, really stellar. So just across all the, you know, categories you'd expect a really strong cinematic experience. But are there any other um, particular highlights to mention or should we get on well, to the end? Well, something, something that doesn't get, that hasn't been a major part of Anderson's movies for, well, I guess this isn't, I guess inherent vice would, would buck this trend, but you know, he's like his soundtrack in this movie is immaculate, mm. right? Like the Johnny Greenwood does contribute one piece of music, I think for the score in this movie, oh, is that it? but other, I think so. I think it's just the title, like the title theme called licorice pizza. But like the um, but overall, I think the movie's overwhelmingly uh, the soundscape is is like seventies era pop songs, mm. you know, um, and like you know, Boogie Nights I think is certainly famous for you know having a pretty tremendous soundtrack. But you know, but movies like There Will Be Blood or The Master, right, or Phantom Thread, yeah, it's all score. Like, it's all score, right? And so, I mean, and yeah, Inherent Vice has, I think, a pop pop soundtrack, but I don't think it plays as heavily in the film as, as in this movie. But I thought it was wonderful. Like it, um, there's some there's some great needle drops throughout the throughout the film that um, just really add a lot to the movie. But for me, my favorite one, um, I think lots of people talked about the Paul McCartney one, you know, um, mm. which is which is quite good. But I but I quite like adored. Uh, the one at the very, very end, right? The Taj Mahal, Tomorrow uh, May Not Be Your Day, like, just is a wonderful song that I'd never heard before. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's sort of the MO for a, lot, for a lot of this movie is this is a wonderful song that you may not know, and but this is what was happening on the radio in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's just, it's it works for the film. It exposes you to something you hadn't experienced experience before and um i just feel like he's really on top of his game as far as music selection or his music supervisor is really on top of his or her game as far as the just the the, the soundtrack selections because i thought they were just tremendous throughout all right but i guess i guess at the end of the day that's still just sort of like the same thing you were calling out which is like it's really well made <laughs> yeah right yeah well i mean i think what i it's funny because I credited Johnny Greenwood, but I clearly didn't remember the music in the movie as well as, I mean, you saw it more recently than I did. Um, but like, I, I now that you're saying it, I'm like, that's right, that's right. The music was mostly pop songs. Um, but yeah. I think I was just sort of, what I was remembering was that the, he's always, I feel like all his movies are almost always like firing on all cylinders, you know, like the, the right. music and the, the the visuals and the performances they're they're all um, sort of symbi symbiotic with each other, you know. A lot of movies the mu music is a lot more perfunctory. It's just sort of functional. It's sort of like set the yeah. mood for this scene, get us from this part to this part. That that never seems like the case with Anderson's films. It seems like they're always it's it's adding some value, right? Yeah. Um. Not yeah. not just like sort of satisfying a need. So, yeah, indeed. I mean, very well made all around. Um, are there any things we normally sort of conclude by going through fix the movie? Are there any things about this film that you would change? 
Well, this is, I, I don't know that you should change this because I think it's sort of like part of the DNA of the movie. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I was talking about at the beginning of this conversation, that it's like, you should probably feel some discomfort. Yeah, about the and age that's, gap. <laughs> that's the fact that she's 10 years older than yeah. him, right? Well, not just that she's, she's 20... 10 years older than him, that she's 10 years older than him and he's 15, right? Right, 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 be, right, right. Yes, like if she's 35 and he's 25, I wouldn't feel anything weird about that. Right, right. And I think like the movie, you know, I was trying to think about this. It's like they could have been, I mean, it could have been less weird mm-hmm. right it could have been like he was 17 and she was 19 you know what i mean like mm-hmm. he's still in high school she's out of high school mm-hmm. she's a little older mm-hmm. right but you wouldn't feel super weird about that right right like but the fact that she's 25 and he's 15 it's like it's like oh this should we th- if this were happening to if like you knew this was a situation happening in the real world today right mm-hmm. now right and somebody like and somebody you knew was on either end of that right you'd be like this is wrong yeah right yeah. a 25 year old woman should not be hang- like hanging out with a 15 year old boy right. this is messed right. up right and yet somehow in this movie by the like by the end of the film i was sort of like they should just be together, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Which I, I I feel really conflicted about because it's sort of like I'm I don't think I should have that no. feeling. Like more like it feels morally wrong for me to yeah. Have, I mean, like to have that feeling. I I will say, um, yeah. In terms of fix the movie, it it is it was surprising to me. I actually I think I was totally fine with the way their relationship started, and mm-hmm. I thought that it was sort of like there was clearly this chemistry there and she clearly liked him, but she was also sort of like, look, you're just a kid. I'm 25. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, and what would have made sense to me is if the movie took place over a longer period of time and like yeah. by the end of the movie, he's like 18, you know? Yeah. Say? Yeah. And it would just be a little more okay that by then yeah. she would like kiss him you know and like sort of like entertain the possibility of like maybe we could actually have a relationship um but i think that doesn't really i think by the end of the movie he's still 15 right <laughs> and, right and and right. then and then it's like okay well you know we're in love and you're like i i th- i think it's okay for you to have started to develop these feelings for each other but like i think i yeah. think this should have taken longer for you <laughs> for you to get here yeah is was yeah. kind of my feeling so yeah um yeah and it's i don't know for me there's always like this kind of mental exercise you can do of like if you swapped the genders how would this feel and the answer is very clear right right (laughs) not okay at all right 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 uh, you know not to say you should always be able to swap and and there should be no change but it's like i don't know it feels like a bit of a signal that this is maybe not as okay as the movie thinks it is so Right. It's like, I, f- I feel like at the end of the movie, you just ha- have both feelings at the same time. Right. Which is like, oh man, this is bad. Right. This is, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the same time, I'm having the like, they should just be together. They're perfect for each other kind of feeling. Yeah. And it's like, 
I cannot reconcile these two things. Like, fortunately, this is fiction. Right. Right. So I get to sort of just enjoy it and not feel the same sort of like moral, like conflict Mm -hmm. that you would feel if this was like real. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Because and it for and you're fortunate and realize that it just like doesn't happen, you know? Yeah. Um, But but yeah, I, I don't really know how to reconcile it. I don't know. I don't know what the movie I, I like. What would you if if it even has one? What would you say the movie's point of view is? On, I feel like the movie's pretty unabashedly pro, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the movie's like a little bit like age is just a number, you know. <laughs> you know, right. the heart wants what right. it wants. Like, I, I, I don't know. Um, I I do feel like. I guess my impression is Paul Thomas Anderson's sort of just like, I don't care, you know, I don't care what people, right. people are okay with it or not. Um, for me, my sort of fix the movie might, might've been something like, you know, just to avoid making people feel weird about it. Why don't you borrow a little bit from your idea and my idea, like start the movie and he's, you know, 16 going to be 17 soon. And the movie itself mm-hmm you know crosses like takes place over maybe two years and by the end he's 18 about to turn 19 and then and make her like yeah one or you don't even really need to make her younger just make him older right right Um, right right and then and then everything's fine or just i don't know or have have their relationship not advance quite as much as it does you know right um because again, it's like the truth is the way the movie ends. It's not like, it's not like their relationship has gotten super far physically, right? It's still right. fairly innocent, but it's just mm-hmm. it feels to be where it ends is sort of like I think they're like maybe dating now, you know, <laughs> you know. It's like well, he introduces her as Mrs. Yeah, yeah, yeah Alana yeah. Well, Valentine. That's, that's right? obviously him getting a bit ahead of himself, but uh, yeah, I mean. That's 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 what I would have preferred, but I think, um, like I said, I think Paul Thomas Anderson probably is just like I was. It, I I wasn't trying to make you feel comfortable about this, you know. Yeah. I was I was trying to tell a a love story that sort of like doesn't even care about morals or you know right or rules or anything. Um, so you know you got to take the good with the bad. I guess this was this was the movie he wanted to make but yes that would probably if i were gonna have a fix the movie that would probably be the only thing i would change yeah Um, but i think at the end of the day i don't want him to change it you know what i mean like yeah i don't want paul thomas anderson to take notes from dan tao (laughs) right right but i think i also like want the discomfort oh okay right I, I feel like if the movie were made it safer, right? And made it made it just feel like, oh, this is fine. This is unabashedly fine. Then I don't know that I would have... I just don't think the entire movie would be as compelling to me, mm. right? Cause there if needs the, to be something part a of the, wrong about it. There needs to be something forbidden mm-hmm. about this relationship for me to be so interested in how it's going to end up, right? Because if like 
again, you know, if she's 19 and he's 17 or something, right? Like, then all of a sudden, or even 20 and 17 or 21 and 17, like, it still doesn't feel like, oh, this is weird. Like, this is weird that these two people are hanging mm-hmm. out this much, right? But by making it such a pronounced difference of 10 years between 25 and 15, you're like, oh, yeah, if I knew this was happening in, like, real life, I would not be okay mm-hmm. with this being the relationship. But the interesting thing in the movie is, like, while I'm navigating this tension, it feels like the people in, for example, like, her life, like, her sisters mm-hmm. are sort of like, Gary, just go talk to her. Yeah, right? yeah. Like they're, they're not too bothered. They are. Yeah. They have accepted him into like their lives. They're not like, what is this fifteen-year-old boy doing, hanging around? Yeah, it's sort of like, nope. He's like part of the crew as at this point. Well, even by our modern standards, I don't think most people would fault the fifteen-year-old. <laughs> most people wouldn't well, think sure. the fifteen-year-old is doing anything wrong. It's the twenty-five-year-old people would think is doing something wrong. Right, but they understand that it's like. A rom- like he has like yeah. these burgeoning romantic feelings for her and they further understand that she kind of has the same for him yeah you yeah. know and they're all like it's fine yeah well it is the world that paul thomas anderson wrote so he can <laughs> he can make people he can as make okay the with characters. it as he wants well sure i'm not saying that as validation yeah. that it's yeah. fine it's more just like he's a like he gives the other characters an opportunity to have an opinion about yeah this relationship and he like he writes it like they are okay with it so he's obviously yeah and he writes it like she's the main one who thinks maybe something is wrong where in like in that scene that's in the trailer where she's like i think it's weird that i hang out with gary and his teenage friends all the time (laughs) You, you know in all seriousness i i do think for me i don't know if you felt the same way for me, part of why I probably was more comfortable with it than perhaps I should have been is that they actually didn't look that far apart in age to me. Like He looks older. He, he looks older than 15. And, and you, you know, I mean, it's not like I think she looks significantly young. Like 25 seems about right. But, um, but yeah, he doesn't look like a 15-year-old to me. He, he looks older yeah. than that. And so, like, even in that first scene when he first approaches her and and she says she's 25 i i, I didn't even I, I thought she was lying at first in the mm, moment mm. they just looked more the same age to me and i think throughout yeah. the film it doesn't look like a grown woman and a kid it looks like right two young people so right. i think i think the actual physical appearance of the actors probably played a big role there um i mean you know i've i've known I've seen 15 year old kids who look much more like kids to me than this. Right. And I think if right. that, and if a, a kid character, if an actor who looked like a kid were cast, yeah, you probably would feel a lot more uncomfortable. Right. Totally. Um, yes. So I think that part of it is, it's like, the, I guess I'm, I guess what I'm saying is kudos to the casting because it sort of makes it work better than perhaps it should. Um, yeah. So anyway, um okay so you would so that's my one sort of nitpicky fix well maybe not nitpicky it's kind of significant but but yeah, it's it's, it's, it's yeah. sort of it's sort of subtle the changes i would make there but um you wouldn't even change that so do you have any other fix the movies or should we wrap it up no i mean i i loved it i mean 
to your earlier point, it is just sort of episodic and meandering and there's no like plot. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no like we must solve this problem so that some other thing can ultimately, you know, so that something can win. Right. It's more just like it's a romantic comedy. It's two people circling each other and like, will they, won't they? Yeah. Indeed. Well, okay then. We've got one last question to answer, and that is, would we beam it up? Will we beam it up? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's a fast yes from Adam. Let's see. Yes. I have to think. Let me consult my notes here. I feel like I feel like I'm not quite there with this one. I just feel like she shows up to dinner at Benny Softy with Benny Softy and his boyfriend. Mm. And she has to walk the boyfriend home. Yeah. And, you know, scenes like that, like that, that scene, scene. Yeah. could be, that could have been all movie, mm-hmm. right? Just like Alana working on the political campaign and sort of realizing that the candidate is closeted mm-hmm. and trying to win despite, you know, uh, like in a in a society that's unaccepting of him, right? Just like, I felt like there were so many things like that in this movie where it's just like, this could have just been the movie if he wanted it to be. Yeah. Right. But instead it's like, you know, I feel like the world is missing out on the Bradley Cooper, John Peters movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had to go off and make licorice or not licorice pizza, nightmare alley, which was uh, also tremendous. Um, <laughs> not actually complaining Bradley about Cooper, that one. Bradley Cooper is batting a thousand yeah, in twenty twenty one. He's crushing it. Um, I just yeah, for me it's a beamer, but for you, not not doesn't reach that status. No, it's very close. I think this is another one where I'm gonna right now. I'm tentatively saying no, but you know, it yeah. could be one I look back and say I should have beamed that one. But I feel like that's usually my role <laughs> right. to be like the buzz kill. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. like yeah, I don't know, I don't know, guys. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it didn't um it didn't hit me the same way that his best movies do. It felt lighter to me. But I still I still quite yeah. enjoyed it for all the reasons we described. Um yeah, I'm I'm going to withhold and we'll have yet again another film where one of us mm-hmm. beams it and the other doesn't, but you know, mm-hmm. such is life. Um but we both clearly liked it a lot, you know. Adam loved it, Dan Liked it a lot. Um, came close to love. <laughs> It'll Not be interesting there. for like our 2021 recap whenever we get around to it to sort of look at like which movies did Adam Beam and Daniel didn't or the other way around. Mm-hmm. And have have we changed our tune on any of these, yeah. you know, in their intervening weeks or months? That'd be a good exercise. Yeah. From memory, though, I mean, I feel like Nightmare Alley is actually one of the ones we've been most aligned on in recent memory of just both yeah. thinking it was pretty awesome. So good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this one was also really, really good. So, uh, okay, there you have it. Adam's beaming it up. Make the sound, Adam. <laughs> and there it is. It's in the there astronaut's hands or will be in uh, 14 I'll, days. I'll foot the, <laughs> yeah, I'll foot the bill for this one. Okay. Um, I will have to go sell some plasma in the morning. 
that's yeah you're you've you're probably running pretty low on plasma these days but these movies are not cheap but that's how much you're committed to this important work that we do i mean look who else is sending a, a movie to an astronaut in space as far using as I know. rolls of pennies that he's been saving up over the years to pay the bills nobody else but me only adam and you that's right yeah. We're the only people doing it. We're doing the Lord's work here. Okay. Well, it was fun talking about that one. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's a wrap. I'm Dan. I'm Adam. Good night. Bye.